It is great to have you on the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. I'm Jolin Howes, and on this podcast, we want to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. In this episode, we talk about the parable of the prodigal son and what to do when a good kid goes bad. Take a listen. She's traveling with me this weekend. That's a win. Oh, that's awesome. Where are y'all going? Eugene, Oregon, baby. Oh, man. That'll be awesome. I'm just excited when she goes. I'm like, yes. Just just the two of y'all? Yes. My son will go every week. Like, my son will literally, he would jump in my suitcase every week to go. My daughter has zero desire to spend any time with me on the road. She has none. I'm just being factual, by the way. And then my wife has very little desire as well. Um, But I get it, too. She's always like, I'm like, let's everybody go. She's like, there's nothing I would like less than being in a hotel room with kids and us. Like, because when you're on the, when I'm on the road, like, I work all day Friday. I, I, I work. I, I'm not. I'm not just sitting in. I'm not sitting in a room or taking in new sites and stuff like that. I, I'm so busy that she she was always like, "It's not that much fun in a hotel room. It's not really that enjoyable." But she was like, "You know what? I'm going to relax and rest." And by the way, you can relate to this, I'm sure, because you're obviously old now. But like, getting older is hilarious because she's like, "I just really want to sit in the hotel room." And she's like, "When you, get, I was like, we can go to a movie. We can go out to eat." She's like, "Nah, I'm good." She's like, we can watch, we watch Blacklist. That's one of the shows that we've watched. And Dude, we're, I've watched every episode of the we're Blacklist. Like, we're way behind. We're in like season five or okay. six, and it takes us forever to like get through it. Um, she's like, we can watch like four of them on the show. <laughs> but I'm like, that's what, our, that's what our time has come to now is we'll get a bunch of Blacklists in on the road. <laughs> so you never have an opportunity to like go see the sites? Like when you, like I, if I was going to Oregon, I would love to go to the Nike headquarters. We're, you- we're going to the Nike headquarters because I'm a Nike guy. Yeah. So that's that's we're going to go Saturday after the show. But I, I'm going to come in Thursday, and then you know usually late Thursday, and then Friday we have I have I'll have get up, I'll have uh, you know morning meetings, then I'll have Sports Center, then I'll have uh, this just in College Football Live uh, PTI. So I'm done at like. 4 35 o'clock in the afternoon well i'm i'm exhausted by that point too usually i got up beforehand and worked out and got got some running in or got some something in and then i mean i don't i don't really want to go see the sights at six o'clock at night on a on a friday night because i'm also getting up early the next day and so no there's not a lot of yeah. sightseeing we'll go to the we'll go to the basketball complex sometimes at different schools and see that some of that stuff but are you still are you still getting in the pickup game with some of the guys? No. You were doing that for a while. For a while, yeah, but our crew's gotten a little bit older, and I, I haven't played much pickup lately. I'm ready for church ball around the corner. Yeah. Are you going to play with us this year? I've retired. I've, I'm not. I'm no, you kicked me off the team. I didn't kick you off the team. He's no good. You're glad. You're, we, we will gladly take you back if you'd like to be on the team this year. It's not about – see, I don't think you're no good. There's always going to be somebody on the floor you can guard. Now, if we can just – because there's always there's people that are slow in that league. That's to be clear. I wasn't a big compliment for you. You smiled real big. Uh, we the only thing, Jolin. That was a Jolin. Will you a agree very with this? Sarcastic no, smile, Jolin. Will you agree with this? The problem is every time you touch it, you want to shoot. Because <laughs> y'all don't pass it to him ever. So anytime he ever gets it, it's like because every time one, he touches one it, he, to he wants to shoot the ball so much. If you can just dial that back, you can be on the team. In the early days of Greystone Church, scores, I pretty, I pretty much was the man, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I, I understand my role now. And I remember last year when y'all were needing some players, you were reaching out to me. You were wishing Pastor I can Jay tell was you on right the now, squad. I can tell you right now, we'll take you next year for church basketball if you want to yeah, play. Yeah, you want me. I'm a, I'm a, I want you. Yes, I want you on the team. 
Yeah, I'm the. We kinda, need a team chaplain. I'm the kind of guy. <laughs> what What is it when you're on the court? You're the plus minus. Yeah. Yeah. My my plus is like through the roof. Through the roof. Through the roof. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Yeah. All right. What you got over there? This is what I want to talk about today. <laughs> is I want to talk about what happens when our kids do things that we wish they didn't do. Oof. So what what do you do when a good kid goes bad? So, I mean, parenting is one of the great... All right, can we stop right there? Okay. I would like to hear you start, before we get started on this, as you said, when good kids go bad. So, define good kids. What do you mean when you say good kids? Because are, are we... We're all sinful we're all born of sin we're all human we're all gonna mess up we're i just think that give me some context on what you mean when you say good kids well you're you're already stealing my thunder okay. i'm just saying like, because that was a it was, was kind that of later, a, was that going coming later on oh no that was diving right into that, that there really are no good kids i was about to say that, yeah, that's that, that, but no one's perfect correct so you're i mean you're you're already in tune you you and you are so in tune with me already we're just, we're just on the same page yeah but people think their kids are good like they're holding they're holding this little baby and they think oh my baby's perfect whatever wait till that baby grows up <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna do the same stupid things you do yeah and so that's that's kind of where i'm where i'm going with this is there's no perfect parents we all we all make mistakes and there are no perfect Kids, I mean, Roman, Romans chapter 3 says that there was no, no one righteous, not even one. And so I think for parents out there, you need to know that your kids are going to do bad things. Your kids are going to do things that break your heart. Your kids are, are going to make you mad. Your kids are going to do things that you wish they wouldn't do. And right now, whatever stage they're in, they're already doing more than you think. They're doing more wrong than you think. They're doing more bad than you think. The best kids in the world, the the so-called best kids in the world right now, what you know about your kid, there's more to it. A hundred percent. And it probably has something to do with the phones. <laughs> I mean, phones are a part of it for sure. We have we should know what they're looking at. Do you want to hear something great about phones? ADD boy. Talking to myself. Yeah. Because I'm now going to go on phones real quick. So I heard this in a sermon, and uh, we used it in the middle school group. So every time you have your phone in your hand and you look down to it, you're bowing down to your phone. Mm. Think about that. Every time you take this out and you look down to it, like you're not looking up, you're looking down right at your phone. And how many times do... When we're hurt, we scroll. When we're bored, we scroll. When I mean, it's literally been a. This has been this is our lifeline. This is. And you think, and how many times does your phone betray you? Like a lot. Your phone's gonna betray you. you send a text, and you're like, mm, shouldn't have done that. Mm. Post something, shouldn't have done that. I need directions to get home. Phone died. Crap! I can't get home. Like your phone consistently betrays you. But this is what we look at. This is what we turn to in all of our circumstances and all of our things. The answer is scroll. The answer is mindless. The answer is, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to face it. I want to just 
occupy time. That's that's what we do with a phone. Yeah. We basically bow down to our phone. So as far as kids go, I think the truth is that all kids have the capacity to make bad choices. No. Yep. And it different start there. And obviously the, the choices vary of life. When you're little and you take a truck or you steal a little truck from your friend, obviously the consequences aren't bad. Middle school, when you get in middle school, gossip and, mm-hmm. you know, awkwardness and all that stuff, consequences, again, aren't bad. When you get to high school, consequences of sex, drugs, all that other stuff, obviously the consequences, the, the stakes just get bigger, but it's absolutely still, the sin's still in them. Like, it's it's just a matter of different degrees as we get older and what they're going to get lost in and what they're going to get into. Yeah, the old the older a child gets, the greater the consequences. You did a sermon of, on this years ago, by choices. the way, and I still remember it. You might really? not, but I, I I still remember it to this day. You don't remember it at all. I can't even remember You've the done too many from two weeks. Correct, ago. but you talked. You <laughs> see if you remember this. Me and Lindsay were young parents, and I'll never forget it. You talked about a ping pong table being set up. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. No. I'm about to say, no, you don't. That's a lie. You just, because if you, you did, just said yes, so you, you just said story. yes, and you would have done your story. So don't, don't lie to me. Um, but you talked about however hard you hit it, what happens? Is it, it comes yeah. back. So you talked about parenting. You talked about you know parenting with that that in mind, knowing that it's it's not not everything needs to be smacked. Not everything. Not every situation needs to be handled the same. Like. But everything, you know, that wall coming that you hit, that it comes back to you. Mm-hmm. You remember that at all? Yeah, I do. And I think you, you have to choose your battles. <laughs> He's old, He doesn't man. remember, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> that was many moons ago, by the way. That was probably eight that years was ago, many, nine years ago. But I think that that's the great lessons for parents, in, even, in, even in the podcast or even in sermons, that, you know, I might be talking, you know, one of the topics I threw out to you that, that you shut down immediately uh, was, was how to help your kids marry well. Well, that, that topic wasn't interesting to you because your kids aren't at the, at the marrying age. Of course, my kids are at the marrying, marrying age. Yeah. But even the, preparing them for that. I mean, now's the time to start preparing your kids for the future. So, And we did that at Greystone. We did a thing on marriage at the middle school with the, or dating with the middle uh-huh. school. And I was like, God, this is stupid. Like, why would we do this? And I'm, like with the 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And, I, and I, Colton did a great job, and he talked about, like, we're not, y'all aren't preparing to meet the one. You're preparing to be the one when it came to that. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really good. It's about you preparing yourself. It's about you, your relationship with God. It's about anything that takes away. So I, I think that um, all the ages, obviously, there's different things we can, we can take away from it. I think the earlier you start, the better. <laughs> And you have, you have to model it for them, and you have to teach biblical truth because what our kids are getting from the world and TV and social media, it's the exact opposite of a biblical worldview of marriage. But we're, we're getting sidetracked here. Yeah. We're saving that topic for another day. Okay. So I want to I talk today about Luke chapter 15 and the story of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal child. And in Luke chapter 15, I mean, Jesus is the master storyteller, but he tells three stories of three lost things, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. I love the fact that lost things matter to God and lost things ought to matter uh, to us. And I know a lot of people are familiar with the story of the prodigal son. I remember uh, Jeff Foxworthy 
oh, phenomenal. As far, I mean, when you say was, prodigal son, that's what I think of now. Yeah. I want us to view the story today from the perspective of a parent. So instead of thinking of yourself as the prodigal son or the older son, which we, we always kind of put ourselves in those two categories, I want us to look at the story today from the perspective of the father, from the perspective of, of a parent. And so this particular father, you begin in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, says there was a man who had two sons. And one son went down the right path, and one son went down the wrong path. And two kids made two very different choices. Now, this is pretty fascinating to me because I've seen this happen at families in our church. You have parents with multiple children. Of course, most of us have more than one child. These kids grow up in the same environment, the same parents, the same household, going to the same church, go into the same school, whatever, whatever the case may be, one child makes right choices and right decisions, and one child decides to go down the wrong path. And I've, parents struggle with this. And a lot of times when, when I'm talking to these parents, I'm like, look, you did everything the right way to the best of your ability. I mean, we all, we all make mistakes, but children have a mind of their own. I've seen it so many times. You know, same environment. Like uh, one of one of my good buddies, he has four kids. Three of the kids walking with God, making right decisions, and the, and the one child, the prodigal, always makes the wrong choice. <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of been the the thorn in 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 his flesh, and, and in his mind, has kind of negated him from being used by God because he's you know because then. First Timothy, it talks about managing your own household well, and if you can't if you can't manage your own household, how can you manage the household of God? Uh, when it talks about the qualifications for an elder, what what are your thoughts? I mean, you got the kids growing up in the same household. One kid makes good choices, then you have this prodigal son or daughter that seems to always be making wrong choices. I think we say all the time that we raised in the same because they're in the same household, which I, I agree with. I think you do the same things, but I don't think they're all the same kids. And, oh. I, and I, and I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of times we get ourselves in trouble. I think we parent every kid the same. We talk about every marriage the same. It's not, not every marriage is the same. Not every relationship you have is the same. And so you going going back to your ping pong illustration, which apparently was my ping pong illustration, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you don't yeah. pound every kid. No, and, some, and by the way, I'm learning maybe, this. Maybe you don't even play ping pong. With yeah, and by the way, I'm learning this the hard way right now with Leah. Like it's a big struggle. Leah's Leah's very difficult for us. Um, so and she's I, not a compliant child. No, Nicholas is the easiest kid when it comes to that in the world. Like you make a list or you tell him to do something, he wants to help. He wants to be a part of it. Leah's very self centered. You know, she's worried about, you know, she doesn't want to do things she doesn't want to do. And so it's a lot, it's a lot more difficult. Um, but I can't, I can't parent her the same. I can't parent her and Nicholas the same. Not if I want to get different results. Like Leah is a, is a girl that I have to, well, first of all, they're girls and boys. So you don't parent girls and boys the same. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm learning that big time. But like, I got to ask questions to Leah. I can tell Nicholas what to do and he wants to do like, I got to ask questions to Leah. I got to, um, I can't take things 
I can't take things so serious with her. I have to let things go that I don't, wouldn't let, probably let go with him. Like I have to, otherwise we'd always be combative. We'd always mm-hmm. be going at it. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm learning with Leah to, to listen, to let her know that I'm listening, to let her know that I'm care. But just like, it's, it's interesting, just like with my wife. With my wife, I don't try to solve all her problems. I can't solve, I can't try to solve Leah's problems. She doesn't want me to solve her problems. I think she just wants me to listen. And, and somebody told me a while back, like, repeat the last thing she says to, when your kid says stuff to you, repeat the last thing back to them so they know, always know you're listening. And so that's something that I've put in my head. But with her, like, I'm just, I'm more listening. Like, the nudges for her to do things I, I don't work as well. Like, it don't, doesn't motivate her well. But if I can listen and love and just keep, like, keep everything going positive and not, not make smart comments, not say... You should be doing this. Don't, I don't need to, if I tell her she, you need to be doing this, she's not going to do it. She's, and guess who we get, she gets that from. By the way, the things that we ID in our kids that drive us crazy are usually in us. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, the things that drive me nuts about Lee, I'm like, yep, that's me. Yeah. And, and we had small group last night, by the way, you'll love this. And we talked about every situation that comes up, every single stupid conversation about bubble gum or stupid conversation that you might think about church or stupid conversation about school. I say that that's the way we look at it. This is a stupid conversation. God put that conversation in our lives for a reason. Are we choosing, and this is for where Leah, do we choose ministry or do we choose the misery, the anger, mm-hmm. the like our responses, because all of our responses, because we're ambassadors to them, right? We're ambassadors of God to them to mm. teach them what it looks like. All of our responses are showing them and teaching them. And are we taking every opportunity that comes our way to minister and show the characteristics that we want shown, that we want them to develop? Because, and I, I don't, to be very clear, I don't. But it's something that I heard the other day that really struck a chord with me. And, and again, you hear it different ways, presented to you different things. But I just think that every kid, every person have different, has different love languages, that it's our job to very much find what it is and find out where we need to be, where, where God wants us to be in that relationship. And I don't think it's going to look the same for every kid. I love that because there's, there's so many times uh, we have a 14-year-old daughter. She might be talking about something that I think is just ridiculous. So stupid. Are, are we even, like, this is this is the stupidest conversation I've ever had in my life. Like, Immature. Makes- <laughs> why are, what are you talking about? Shut up. That's what I'm saying in my head. Sorry. Amen. <laughs> but I love what you said. Like, hey, we, we could take whatever, like, if it's a big deal to them, we should make it a big deal to us, and we can use whatever it is. It could be something silly, but we could still. I love that. Instead of being misery, like <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, like, how did I get into this conversation, and why am I having this conversation right now? But turning it into ministry, like, how can I use this to to speak truth into her life? How, how can I use this to pour into her and to disciple her and, and to shape her? That, that's that's gold right there, because so often I got. I got much bigger fish to fry. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are we having this conversation? You know, um, what, can, what good can come out of it? Now, listen, yeah. I, I, I do think too, that I think they will absolutely also get tired of us doing that too. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
mom, dad, you always turn this into a lesson, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, you know, I, I, I've had to learn too, just with my wife. Like she's not, she doesn't want me to fix things. Like my wife, she's independent as crud. She just wants me to listen. And so, you know, we've seen that. A lot of that's females. Like a hundred percent. But I think we got to do that with our daughter too, as much as we do that with our wives sometimes too. But, but I, but I think listening and being there is mm-hmm. also, there's ministry in that. Yeah. So I've, I, ta- I've taken that to the extreme where it's kind of become a frustration for Jennifer because <laughs> back when we first got married, you know, we were laying in bed and she would say, I'm thirsty. So I would get up and go get her some water. I don't want any water. I just want I just want you to acknowledge that that I'm thirsty. So so now if she tells me she's thirsty or whatever, I'll say, you know, I've once been thirsty myself, and it's really difficult. That's sarcasm. <laughs> that's just you're the worst. A, you're just being a butt. That's not that's not by the way, that but what and it's amazing as you get older and mature though, like some of the things that used to drive you nuts or that you used to argue about, now you're like I wouldn't give that 10 seconds. Yeah. I wouldn't. You don't even think about it. Like like your wife saying you're thirsty. Like that to me, what? Like, what do we talk? What do you mean you don't want water? Why why are we saying this then? Like, what's the point of that's when you're, when you're young, that's what you do. Like, that is stupid. Like, as you get older, you're like, that doesn't really matter what she says. I'm going to be here regardless. She can totally read into my sarcasm. Well, that's like uh, me and Lindsay. We do, uh, <laughs> and I've done this in small group for so many years, so it's kind of it's kind of interesting. And I t- I try to teach the guys all the time. Listen, I need it too. But just if you girls would stop saying you need to do this, and we've talked about this before, and just say we, like, can we work on X? Can we work on Y? I say because again, when you say me or I need to do this, self defense, I failed, I'm losing. But if you just say we, so I'll do that with Lindsay too, and I'll just be like, hey, you think we could work on this? She's like. You mean me? <laughs> I'm like, that's not, I'm like, that's not what I said. I said, we, do you think we could hold each other accountable and do this? Like my beautiful snack here, you know, yeah. we, we're doing, we food prep together or whatever. Well, is. a lot of times when Jennifer says we, she means me. Yeah. So she's like, you know, we need to blow the leaves. And I'll give her the classic line that my dad always uses. He'll say, you got a rat in your pocket. I was like, so we killed the, so you killed the bear, but Pa held the gun. What? I like that one. You know, you killed the bear, but Pa held the gun. Let's get back to the story. You didn't like that, by the way. You just <laughs> thought it was pretty good. We killed the bear, Pa held the gun. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Thank you. I appreciate you understanding. <laughs> so, in the story of the prodigal son, the younger child makes this decision. It breaks his parents' heart, breaks the father's heart. He says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. Well, basically, he asked for his, he asked for his inheritance. Like, can yep. I go ahead and have my inheritance now? And it's interesting that the dad goes ahead and gives it to him. And, but he breaks, he breaks their heart, says that he set off for a country, and he squandered his wealth uh, in wild living. And I think, you know, this is a, picture of the downward spiral of sin that sin is fun for a while but then eventually it can destroy your life i think i think modern day wild living would be like 
giving giving going our, to get in a hotel and just partying in downtown Atlanta all week or all couple weeks, couple months. I kind of had in my mind Vegas, like okay. a distant country. Yeah, <laughs> Nevada's like a distant. You just said country. distant country. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the, another world over there. It's like another world. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas, obviously. But, <laughs> no, because... But I'm, I just kind of picture, like, wild Limby, getting a hotel, driving out to Vegas, spending all your money on gambling, sex, like prostitutes, alcohol, drugs, and he gambles it all the way. Before you know it, it's all gone. gone. That's kind of what, what I'm picturing I like that. Good modern nice. day. And so, verse 14 says, After he spent everything... There was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, to, the, to his field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I mean, think about, like, like if you're viewing this from the perspective of a parent, that your child is now homeless. Like, your child has spent all of his money on wild living, obviously living not how you would want him to live. He's made all these poor choices and decisions, and he's basically living on the streets of Las Vegas with, with the homeless people. Just trying to get scraps for meals. Yeah. I mean, that's just, as a parent, it's devastating. I mean, what do you what do? You do? I mean, I think this is where it becomes more difficult for us because I think there's a lot of parents who are very logical and very, we have to teach our kids lessons and they have to learn to grow and they have to learn that we can't just be their security blanket. So that's why I think it's always very interesting when you talk about when this, when you talk about this stuff, because we want them to experience pain. So they grow from it. So they learn, so they grow up and so they don't, like you said, you don't want your kids living in your basement. You want your kids living in your house. You want them to go out and go somewhere else. But I think there's a difference. I think this is already past that point of, like, learning their lesson. Now, learning their lesson, living on the streets, like, they're broken. They're down. There's nothing. They have nothing whatsoever. So what's our response? I think this is, it's different than just blowing money, not being good with money, you know, having problems X, Y, and Z, but still functioning and still living life and going forward, this is kind of rock bottom. They're, they're, they're bottom of the barrel. So I think it's, I just think it's important because we, we will differentiate that in our head. I mean, everything in me as a parent would want to drive out to Las Vegas and rescue. Scoop them up. Scoop them up and bring them home. But we see the story of the prodigal son, and maybe he didn't know where he was. I mean, maybe, you know, I think sometimes you got to let your kids go so they can learn those life lessons. Like you're gonna, you're going to reap what you sow, mm-hmm. and if I keep bailing you out, you know the helicopter yeah. parent. I've know, seen it firsthand with my my my, not, my brother. I mean, it's been a, it's been an absolute struggle for him with, and he's had problems with drugs and just real life stuff. And my parents for years and years bailed him out, helped him out, helped him financially, and it did, it didn't help. Mm-hmm. It just kept in the same cycle. So. I get, I get that component of it. I think that's the hard component of it. Yeah, and I've seen, I've seen the opposite where a child's living at home, living in the basement, and they're making poor choices. They won't change, and parents having to kick them out. Yep. Because hard love, tough love, and that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> um, but I've, I've seen both sides of it. And, um, 
I think what's interesting is when someone gets desperate, they're capable of doing things that they never would normally do. And I think about someone living on the streets, someone homeless, someone hungry, someone who doesn't have any money. You know, they end up doing things that they normally wouldn't do. Go into a trash can and look for food. Yeah, well, I was even I was even thinking worse, like yep. s- selling their body yeah. for whatever that fix is. I mean, it's hard to imagine. Um, I, I just think I'd want to rescue them. But I, I think the story of the, the prodigal son, the father, he waits. You talk about prayer. Praying for your kids, waiting on your kids, trusting that God's going to keep them safe, trusting that God's going to bring them home. Mm. It says in verse 17, he came to his senses. Like a light, light bulb went off. I was thinking about the verse, train a child in the way she go when he's old and not turn from it. I, I claim that verse all the time for my, for my kids. Of course, all my kids are walking with God right now. Praise God for that. He said, many of his father's hired men have food to spare, and I'm starving to death. So he set out uh, to go back to his father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Um, I I love that the father saw him when he was a long way off. So this kind of gives us the picture that the the father's waiting on the front porch. Mm -hmm. I mean, every day you think he's waiting for his son to come home, and he's looking to the distance, and he's praying, and he's he's trusting God. And and when, when he does come home, you know, he immediately has compassion for him, and he forgives him. He says, verse 21, that the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I think it's important for us as parents to know the father didn't say, I told you so. <laughs> and you mentioned this earlier, but I think there, there's times to teach, there's times to instruct, but there's also times to just put your arm around your child and, and love on them and forgive them and pray for them and throw a party for them. What are your thoughts? A hundred percent. I think we're not very good at when. We're not very good at those situations a lot of times. I'm not very good at those situations a lot of times of when to do which one. But um, but I think that's why we should be, like you said, praying for our kids, praying mm-hmm. for situations and every opportunity we get. How can we how can we use it? How can we maximize it? But I think we got we we've got to do a good job of understanding our kids, what they need, where they're at, because um, they're that, that he's not in the same place. I mean, yes, he took his inheritance, but again, he went out and just completely bombed, was living like nothing, came home. What did he say, though? Came home and said, I'm sorry. I was, he, he I was, was wrong. He, he was, was contrite. He was, rep- yeah. yeah, I mean, he, I think that was an, I think that's an important part of the story. That's, that's I mean, I, I love the way the father responded, but it's also important, too, I think, what he said. Like, he, he definitely owned it, but I, I don't know the answer to that, by the way. I think you might be better at answering the question. I just... I try to do the best job and try to have discernment and try to use as much as you can of your 
biblical discernment, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes I get it wrong. Well, I think that's a, a great lesson for parents that if your child is repentant and they confessing and they're asking for forgiveness, that's the time not to discipline. That's the time not to, I told you so, and, and drive it in deeper. That's the time to embrace. That's the time to love. That's the time to show compassion because, because they've already learned their lesson. They, they've already repented and, and they've already, they've already so come home. So to use the other side of the coin because you've been in counseling for years and years and years, what about the ones that always say they're sorry and then keep doing the same thing? Because you've also seen that, have you not? Yeah, I mean... The, they the, just keep disappointing, keep disappointing, whether it's drugs, whether whatever it is, and they keep saying sorry, keep saying sorry, but I think that's what's, that, that's what's very difficult. Yeah, me. and I think that's, that's where the tough love comes in. Yeah. Because if, if someone keeps saying they're sorry, but they, they never change their ways... I mean, we had that verse in our, in our discipleship the other night that, that godly sorrow brings repentance... That leads to salvation, but worldly sorrow brings death. And so if you're not really sorry, you're just saying you're sorry because you don't want to get in trouble. trouble. <laughs> and I think having trying to distinguish be- between the two. Uh, but, but are we going to go wrong? Are, are we going to go wrong if we consistently model what we consistently accept? Because we consistently accept grace. Are we going to go wrong if we consistently model grace? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I really don't. Will it work out perfectly like we think it should work out every time? No. But I think if we consistently, I forgive you. I forgive what you've done. I forgive this situation. And by the way, I forgive this situation because I've done it. I've been in the same situation. I've messed it up. You're just like me. Like, I'm just like you, but there's hope. There's hope for changing your decision-making. There's hope for the future, and that's God. Like, that, I think that's what you hope to to be able to get to, but when you can say that instead, when we can respond like that instead of pounding my fist, you should have done this, you should have done that, but when we can respond with that, golly, I, I have to imagine that we're going to get a pretty good response from from our kids, No. No, I agree. I, I think we have to get over ourselves. We have to get over how we feel about it because so many times I'm guilty of you hurt my feelings, you hurt me, and I want you to know about it as opposed to what's best for the child. Yep. Get, getting over myself and my feelings and, okay, you broke my heart, but I don't have to say all that. What's best for the child? How how can I respond in a way that's best for her, or best for best for him, instead of wanting me to be justified or me to feel like I'm heard? Or mm-hmm. you know, um, I think trying to do okay. What's best for the child in this particular situation? Sometimes it's best for the child that you do just extend grace, and I think sometimes it's best for the child to. They have to suffer the consequences of their actions, but trying to figure out each situation and which one that is. Um, Don't think it's easy. That's a that's a very difficult thing. So it's a great story of unconditional love, repentance, forgiveness, uh, reconciliation, and 
I think how do, how do we reach our prodigals? I, I think if you do have a prodigal child, and we have people who listen, maybe have some older children who, who have who have, you know, or we have a family member or a friend who who has a prodigal child. I, I think one is just unwavering prayer. And I was thinking a couple prayers to pray. One is pray that they have the right friends. We talk about a lot about that praying, <laughs> praying that so important that they have the right so friends. So important for every kid. Another another prayer is pray that they get caught when guilty. And I think my parents prayed this prayer because it seemed like every time I did something wrong, I got caught. <laughs> <laughs> my parents didn't. I can promise you. <laughs> And here, here's, a, here's a scary prayer, but pray that God will do whatever it takes. And to me, that's a, that's a scary prayer for, for parents to pray because it's kind of like a, you mean business. Uh, because sometimes a kid does have to hit rock bottom. Sometimes a kid does have to kind of be at the end of their rope, so to speak, before they will make that change. I unfortunately am and the type of person that learn when I when I get stung, when it when it when it hits me and when I fail miserably. Like I I, I think the true test of or I think the true test of wisdom or showing you wisdom is when you can really learn from others' mistakes. I think that's hard but I think it's really hard to do for a lot of people. It was always hard for me to do, but I think that's one thing you like those those are put there for a reason. And you think about those chances and those things that stung you and broke your heart. They mm-hmm. broke your heart most of the time, but they brought you closer to God most all the time. I mean, it has for me. And I, I, I pray for that frequently with my kids that they would get stung, but I pray that I would get stung. Like that I would always have a dependence and a need because I think, you know, everything's going good. I'm in control. It's good. Like everything's great. And then something hits and you're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, this isn't you. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I have a tendency in my life to, to do that. I want, I want to leave this verse with all the parents out there. And it has to do with unending patience and not giving up on your kids. But it's Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. And it's so easy to give up. But my message to all the parents is don't ever give up on your kids. Keep praying. Keep trusting God. Keep extending grace. And don't give up on them. And eventually, train a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not turn from it. They will come back to God and come home to God and come home to you. Thank you for listening to the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. I love the parable of the prodigal son for so many reasons. The first is that the father allowed the son to mess up and to make his own choices in hopes of the son learning and eventually coming back to the father. So sometimes it takes us to hit rock bottom for us to run back to our heavenly father. Another reason I love the story is that even when the son was a long way off on his way home, The father saw him and came running to meet him and hug him and kiss him. So God is always right there to meet us exactly where we are and to welcome us home with open arms. So as the parent in the story, this is a great example of how you should love on your own children when they mess up and make mistakes. And for those of you with a prodigal child, you can raise them up the right way and do everything the right way. But at the end of the day, the kid has their own mind 
and they will ultimately make their own choices. So the best thing you could do is to train them up in the way they should go and to pray for them. Unwaveringly pray for your kids that they will make the right friends and the right choices and for God to do whatever it takes to draw them back to the Father. Don't ever give up on your kids. Thank you again for listening to the Family Goals Podcast, and we'll catch you next week.